Some may say, what is Advent? Advent is a time that stands four weeks before the celebration of the Incarnation, or uh, for, for us, this, this time of year, Christ coming to earth. This is the first season in the Christian calendar, although we don't, we're not married to the Christian calendar here at Gospel Fellowship, but when this time of year comes, we do want to pause to reflect on his first advent or his first coming to earth while we are in expectation of his second coming. Amen? So it helps us to prepare our heart. Now, as we're going through this series, we want to give you another resource. Just don't want you to hear this sermon or hear it on Facebook Live or go to our brand new website. If you haven't checked out our new website, you need to go check it out. It's awesome. Um, on that website, if you go to gospelfellowship.net, you scroll to about the middle of the screen, we have added to our website this phenomenal Advent devotional. It's by Dr. Paul Tripp. It's called The Whole Story. I want to encourage you. It's just a four-week devotional, so maybe on a Monday or Tuesday or midweek, whatever you, friends, family, or you by yourself would sit down and go through this devotional. I think it's going to be beneficial for you. And also just wrap your heart around uh, the incarnation in Christ coming to earth. Amen? What time is it? Time. It's a little weak, a little weak. What time is it? Time. Cool, let's get it. I heard you in the back, whoever that was, I heard you. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 20, and this is familiar to us. It says, for God, thank you, Vic. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, y'all know it, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, through Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Verse 19. And this is the judgment. That light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I also want to draw to your attention, John chapter 17, verse 24 says this, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundations of the world. I want to talk to you about three things this morning. Number one, I want to talk to you about a time of wonder, or that's the title, a time of wonder. Number one, the wonderland of darkness. Number two, breaking of dawn. And number three, Jesus, Jesus is Christmasless. Here it is again, a wonderland of darkness, the breaking of dawn, and Jesus is Christmas list. Let's pray. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for grace and truth. We thank you that your word has come to us, uh, that we may know you more 
intimately and follow you with more abandonment. Father, I pray that this word would fall on good ground, that you would be exalted, that we would relish in all that you have done for us in putting on humanity to redeem us. Help that narrative to carry more weight in our hearts because when we see what you sacrifice, we're more prone to give up our little crumbs for the glory that you offer us. So, Father, stand in me, think in my mind, speak through my mouth those truths you want your people to know because you love them. Anoint me for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are not suffering from technical difficulties this morning. I wanted to preach my first point in darkness. To illustrate the fact that we live in a dark culture. You see, when you and I, when we underestimate the light that Christ offers, we're more prone to minimize how great of a salvation he's done. Old folks used to say it this way, the Lord has brought me from a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. I may not be what I want to be, but I thank God I'm not who I used to be. So from a personal perspective, God has done heavy lifting in our lives and has shined the light of his salvation on us. But here's the truth, we sit still in the dark. Many of us, we have come to know Jesus who is light. The Bible says in God, God is light and in him there is no variance or shadow of turning like you see shadows here today. There's no shadows in him. As a matter of fact, beloved, if you come to see him face to face in heaven, you would understand there is no light bulb in heaven. There's no spotlights. There's no sun in heaven. The scripture tells us he will be the light that lights up all of eternity. There is no darkness in him at all. But when you and I, when we minimize how much he has done, we tend to forget how far God has brought us from. And this starts in Genesis chapter 3 in the fall when man and woman choose their own way against what God has said. We see darkness come into this world and this darkness is still lingering. We see this in violence that's happening all around us. We see this in injustice. But We had a brother that was playing basketball just recently on the court, and, and a guy comes up out of nowhere, part of this little Mexican game from Lake Worth, and he just shoots a guy right there on the court as brothers from this church are playing basketball. He just shoots this guy. This guy ends up a few hours later or so dying in front of one of the brothers from this church. And the brother told me last night what he saw was this guy, life, leaving his body and stating, I just feel dizzy and dizzy and dizzy until it was too late and he was gone. Beloved, we still see 
much darkness in this world from fatherlessness to poverty to corruption to abuse. It's dark. Not only do we see it in our world today, we see this all throughout biblical history. As a matter of fact, when Adam and Eve fell, the first thing we see is their children at odds with one another, and the first murder occurs right on the heels of the fall. We see this when they try to build the Tower of Baal, uh, Babel that will erect itself all the way to heaven. They were trying to earn their way into heaven, not that God would come down like we see in the incarnation, but that man would work his way up. It doesn't work that way. Not only do we see it there, we see God trying to establish his covenantal relationship with Abraham through faith, and he raises up Abraham, but Abraham has issues. And then, okay, maybe Isaac would do it, but Isaac has his own issues and struggle. Okay, maybe Isaac's sons, Jacob, can carry on the lineage and be this person that redeems the family, but he can't do it either. Well, maybe what we need to do then is raise up a king. We'll, we'll raise up Saul, but you all know the story. Saul makes a horrible mess of his life and fails again. Okay, Saul messed up. Let's raise up David. Y'all know David, man after God's own heart, man who follows and sings little melodies to God out in the field. But even David has his own errors and is trifling. David, as you learn when Sam preached, can't even hold his family together, let alone the kingdom. When we see how prevalent this darkness is, our mouths should be watering for the one. This is what John meant when he went to Jesus as he was going through his own trials. He said, look, go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one or should we look for another? And that question has been the question throughout human history. Show us the one who in him there is no sin. All other religions are seeking to find this one that would hold it together. I would argue many of the cults that are arising even in South Florida are seeking this question as they look to keep the law in which they cannot keep. Uh, is he the one or should we look for another? But sadly this week, if You've been paying attention to Christian news. The pastor of the largest church in the world was just arrested and convicted for embezzlement of millions and millions of dollars. Beloved, come here. He wasn't the one. Even that great law giver Moses, as powerful as he was, this great emancipator who, who had intimate conversations with God still when God says, speak to the rock, he smites it. He can't be the one. All these prophets in the Old Testament from Isaiah to Jeremiah to Ezekiel to Malachi, they can't be the one. The world is still remaining in darkness and in need of rescuing. But not just biblical history, your life and my life. This Christmas, we will pursue stuff hoping that that stuff will get us what we need. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's getting in a relationship. Maybe it's that perfect gift. We'll seek to pursue those things to find what we are looking for 
that can only be found in Christ. Some of us, we're not going to pursue it in a positive way. We're going to pursue it in a negative way. So we're going to hope that we can, that we can get what we want by stealing or manipulating or tricking, or we're going to drug ourselves into this, this place where I don't feel the pain that I'm feeling in my life. I don't want to feel this anymore, so I'm going to drug myself out of it, or I'm going to drink myself out of it, or I'm going to pop a pill to get out of it. In other words, we're going to keep on trying to do whatever we can do to try to to navigate the darkness because when it's dark, it's hard to see. And some of us, we're not even going to try anymore. May I remind you, this, this time of year is where suicide rates spike out the roof because some of us in the midst of this season will just throw in the towel. But I'm so thankful to God there's a breaking of dawn. There's a breaking of dawn. There's good news for us. There's good news for us. Amen? You guys can hit the lights. Some of y'all are like, oh, thank the Lord. Was anybody bothered by that darkness? Brings a sense of I'm not sure, I can't see. Brings a sense of a loss of control, a loss of clarity. Some of you all were fighting through to try to see me as I was talking. Beloved, that's what sin has done to us. So this morning, I just wanted us just for a moment to feel a bit of that tension, but I don't need to create it because you feel it already. Thanks be to God, though, there is a breaking of dawn. I love what Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says. It says this. The people who walk in darkness, you and I, before being illuminated by Christ, or if you're in here this morning and you have not, uh, uh, you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I love you enough to tell you the Bible says you're still wandering in darkness. You are. If your heart hasn't been illuminated, life isn't supposed to go well for you. And even if it does, you know if everything you want in life you get, there's still something longing, missing. The Bible says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. I love this. God is letting us know that there is darkness in this world, but darkness cannot compare to light. Light has its own brilliance. It has its own strength. And I love it because, because God created darkness. He knows darkness. He knows where the darkness is. He knows where the darkness is in your heart. He sees that place that he wants, but your will is fighting against what he desires for that area of your life, and he knows right where that area is. And he knows if your will will succumb to his, 
the illumination that he gives will not only be uh, transformative to you, but it would bring you, watch this, Jesus' joy. We, we, we sometimes want to run past joy for moments of happiness that are fleeting. They're here today and gone tomorrow. God's more interested in lasting joy because he knows where the darkness is. He knows what's in the dark. He knows how dark the darkness is. And unlike my four-year-old, he is not afraid of the dark. I don't know what it is with kids. Some adults in here are afraid of the dark, aren't y'all? Tell the truth. If you're afraid of the dark, just slip your hand, be bold, say that's okay. Okay, praise God, praise God. A couple of y'all. But God isn't. God isn't. What's amazing as we keep going through Isaiah chapter 9 is not only does God bring light to illuminate our lives, illuminate this world with his coming, the Bible then goes on to say, in verse 5, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Verse 5 again. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Now, I've just talked to you about how great this darkness is, how prevalent sin is, how much we are in desperate need of a Savior. And that's just, if you, if, if you put that in just broad strokes. The, the world is in desperate need for a Savior, but even you and I, whether you are a believer or not, are in desperate need of saving. If you've been walking with Jesus for 10 years, you need him to save you today. You're not just saved, you're being saved. This is a sanctification process, so you still need more of God's light to illuminate your heart. And if that much work has to be done, we're, we're, we're waiting for how God is going to answer this. And here's what he says for his answer. Verse 5, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Here's what Jesus says. I'm putting the whole weight of eradicating darkness on an infant. Have you seen an infant lately? Not too impressive. At best, cute. Every infant is cute. It doesn't matter. Right? Every infant's cute. But to save the world, to eliminate darkness, to, to call me out of whatever life I had, an infant can call someone who lives a promiscuous life into a heterosexual, monogamous relationship. An infant can call someone that, that, that just has a lying spirit that has been lying for their entire time can, can, can transform them into being a person that declares truth. An infant can take someone that is passive and won't have a conversation with anyone to be a person that stands on a stage to proclaim the truth of his gospel. An infant? An infant can carry that kind of transformation. The, the, the struggle that I'm having right now in my body as it relates to my health, your answer for that, an infant? 
The challenge that I'm having in my finances, the issues in my marriage, the problem with humanity, your solution, God, is an infant? This just brings to light what Pastor David was talking about last week, the paradox of the kingdom of God. Here's what that means. He does not come the way you think he should come. Which means I have to leave room in my prayer for God to do it a different way. Can I just shock you a little bit? What if the thing you've been doing for the past five years is not what he's calling you to do with your life? What if this job you think you're going to retire at is just a stepping stone to something else that you have no idea about? What if there's somebody in your life, shout out for my single folk, who you call friend, one day you'll call husband, one day you'll call wife. That was for free. Um, Help me out, Raymond Ortland. Watch this quote, it says this. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us Watch it again. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. The power of God is so far superior to the Assyrians and all the big shots of this world that he can defeat them by coming as a man. God said, I don't got to pull out my big guns for this. I don't have to to come down in my godness for this. The thing that's terrorizing you, God says, I don't have to step off my throne and show up as God the Father for this. This is how powerful. Listen, when you see the incarnation, it is literally him flexing how strong he is to us. The thing that has haunted you, whatever it is, for your whole life, he says, I'll send the baby. That's the answer. His solution. It is a demonstration of God showing his strength in weakness. Some of y'all this week have come out of yourself. Some of y'all have laid your lision down. Some of you all have said, I got to respond to this. I have to show this person this. I have to stick up for myself here. I got to do what I got to do here. I got to take matters into my... Uh, Jesus says, I don't operate that way. You want to see strength? You want to see toughness? You want to see power? I found in a boisterous demonstration of your wit. It's found in the humility of this infant. Beloved, what is he teaching you through this? Some of us 
We're challenged because God ain't come the way we thought he would come. Somebody this morning came to church thinking this. I thought I would be blank by now. You fill it in. I thought I would have blank by now. I thought my ministry would have done this by now. I thought I would have led this many to Christ by now. I thought a city would have been it. Whatever that is for you, could it be? Yeah, that a part of his plan says, yep, not your way, not going to do that. Could it be that when you pray, he says, "Uh, no, I got a better plan. And that his better plan not just satisfies his purpose for your life, but is the avenue of joy for you. Could it be your prayers would lead you to horrific pain and suffering and agony? Could it be that when you are praying, you are literally praying for your own destruction? And for him to grant that request would be foolish and it would be something that an absentee father does. And God is not an absentee father. He is a father that is deeply in love with you. And because of that, he doesn't always give you what you want. But he, in his grace and wisdom, gives you exactly what you need. And for somebody this morning, the no of the advent was exactly what you needed. You needed to understand, not as smart as I thought I was. I thought I could figure this out, but I guess I can't. I thought I could work my way out of anything, but I can't work my... The the, the surrender, the, the tap out of advent is God saying, I know better. It is what Mary experienced when they tapped on doors, but the guy said, there's no room in the end. But God, God knew better. He does not always come when you want him. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says, you cannot judge God on your calendar. God may appear to be slow, but he never forgets his promises. He may seem to be working very slowly or even to be forgetting his promises, but when his promises come true, and they will. I think I can say that a little bit better than Tim. Listen, Tim is way smarter than me, but I don't think he can say it like this if you ever heard Tim talk. But when his promises come true, and they will. Yeah, I can say that like that. Come true. They always burst. Hear this. They burst the banks of what you could have imagined. I don't, maybe this hasn't happened in your life yet, and maybe you're not there yet, but there are some things that have happened for me, and I said, God, I, I think you have, you, have you lost your, I uh, can't say that because it's God. God, God, are you there? Are you present? Are you on the throne? Are you listening? And his nose huh, has been so much sweeter to me than a yes would have been. His promises always burst the banks of what you imagine. God's grace virtually never operates on our time frame. On a schedule we consider reasonable. What is, what is, what is God teaching us in this? Not only does he not do always what you want him to do, he doesn't always do it on the calendar you drew up. If you're a planner in here, you hate me, just grit your teeth and get through it. So what does this mean for us? Here's one word that I think the Advent points us to, 
one of the things I try to instill in my kids. Then, ah, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the art of waiting. I don't have to tell you why I'm telling you to wait. I can just say, wait, I'm your father. Just, just wait. How, how long? Wait. I'm conditioning that this world don't evolve around you, sweetie. That I don't have to move on your timetable. Here's why. Because God don't move on your timetable. And if I give you everything you want, I am doing a disservice to you and hindering your relationship with God. Because you would think fathers just give you what you want. No. No. The Advent reminds us we have to patiently wait. Those that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall walk and not be weary, run and not faint. We must learn in the Advent season patience. I'm trying to shed a few pounds. If you have not noticed, I know you have, but <laughs> I got a coach, I got accountability, I got group me's, I got plans, I got my wife. One of the things I'm learning is I can't lose weight like I did at 25. <laughs> I'm, I'm a few years older than 25, and so my body has changed. And now I used to be able to cheat, go eat what I want, cheat, work out, and be good. Now if I look at cookies, <laughs> they go right here. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. See, for all y'all little high little metabolism people, cover y'all ears. I'm not doing y'all right now. Yeah, that's for the birds, man. Like, nah, I ain't. But for people that, if we hear, you know what I mean? If you smell stuff, it's like you just feel the weight. What God is teaching me in this journey is, Rodney, you cannot cut corners in this. And Rodney, this is not a sprint. In other words, you can't say six weeks from now, 12 weeks from now. Rodney, you got to say December 2019. This, this ain't no sprint. As a matter of fact, I can't even say December 2019. I got to say for the rest of my life. I got to make a commitment that lasts a lifetime. Could it be what God is showing you? It's even in your walk with him. He's not calling you. Listen, we're fasting in January, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm excited about it. First 21 days, we're fasting, doing dang fast. I'm expecting God to do great things. But listen, do you understand that fasting should not just be something we do at the beginning of the year? It should be seasons and rhythms of our life of fasting. We're, we're, we're challenging people in groups. Listen, I want you to get into the Word of God. And, and when you get into the Word of God, I want you to shoot me the text so we see what passage you read. For the next 21 days, we want to challenge you like that. Do you understand that it's not 21 days for this? That this is a call for the rest of your life? So that we'll have a legacy to pass down to our kids? This infant will be called Everlasting Father. 
What infant is called everlasting father? This infant will be called mighty God. Who calls an infant mighty God? This infant will be called wonderful counselor. Beloved, what we find out is, yes, God's answer to everything that terrifies us is an infant, but he's not just an infant. God's answer to everything that ails us is a baby, but he's not just a baby. He is God in the flesh. This infant is the savior of the whole world. This infant is the answer to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. When he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, it means that this infant that is just a baby in some manger will rise up and crush the head of the enemy, but the enemy will bruise his heel, meaning his death on the cross, but it would only be temporary. This, this baby that comes, he is a baby, but he's not just any baby. He is God coming himself to rescue us. It is the beauty of the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and God in his wisdom understands that he can send an infant to handle the job, but he can't just send any infant. He has to send God wrapped in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son, the only one that can bear the weight of all sin and all destruction. As we close, Christmas is about Jesus. Make no mistake about it. It's Jesus' day, season, year, life. But I thought about this. What does Jesus want for Christmas? Maybe you've made your list and you're checking it twice. Maybe you're wanting somebody to be Santa to bring you what you want. I don't know. But I want to talk about what Jesus wants for Christmas. In John chapter 17, we get a quick snapshot of maybe what Jesus would want. Definitely he wants this. John chapter 17, verse 24 says, His Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Beloved, what does Jesus want? Watch this. He wants you and I to see his glory. Now, if anybody else said that, you are arrogant, self-centered, conniving, like you got some real issues. You are a narcissistic human being. If, you, if I said to you, hey, church, come gather today, I want you to see Rodney's glory. I want you to relish on how great I am. I want you to sit and, and, and let's make Rodney bigger. That's one of the ways we can define glory is to make something big. I want you to, to, to see how much you can praise me. That would be, please don't come if that ever was said. Only Jesus can say, hey, come see my glory, and the best thing for you is to come see his glory. But not just that. He, he then says, because you love me before the foundations of the world. I believe one of the things God wants for us this holiday season is for us to relish in his glory and all that he has 
done for us on the cross, for us to relish in that, and for us to love one another in ways that honor and glorify him. Everyone standing. I'm done. Prayer team, come. If you're here this morning, and it could have been something that was said in worship, it could have been something that was said in the prayer, it could have been something that was said in the preaching and proclamation of this, this word. You know what Jesus wants for Christmas, if I can say it this way? He wants you. He wants you. For some of you, you've been walking with Jesus for a while, and man, the first couple of years of you walking with Jesus was, was intimate and was, was amazing, and you were learning, and m- maybe you had a great community around you at that time. You're just being spurred on to good works, and now it seems like life has happened. You've wandered away. What does he want? He wants you. He wants you to to come to him so he can show you how big he is. How big he is. Maybe you're struggling in this relationship. This morning he wants to show you I'm bigger than the relationship. You're struggling financially. You're trying to think, man, how is Christmas? Christmas is coming up and, man, I want to get people gifts, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at my, at my account, and I just don't know. Beloved, this Christmas, he's bigger than your account. What you need, what you need is him. This morning, if that's you and you want prayer for any reason, it's going to ask that you come. I want to pray for you. And then after that, we're going to take our supper. But if that's you, I want to pause to offer prayer. If that's you, come. God bless you. Anyone else? Come. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe we need to repent of just where we are. Maybe you don't want to come down. That's cool. Use this time in your seat. Don't waste this time. That's you. Pray. Pray. God, I've, this, this, this whole week, it's just been all about me. And I have, it's not, it's, it has not been about you. What do you do in that case? You confess. You say that to him. God, this week, it's been all about me and it hasn't been about you. Father, forgive me. And then in faith you say, God, I want to give me the grace to do it. Give me the grace to do it. Amen. I'm going to want to pray for you as a congregation. Father, this Advent season, we still our hearts. This culture is it's going to be pressing down all of its weight on us to perform. There's nothing wrong with giving gifts and stuff like that. But Father, there's going to be this pressure to do. I pray first that we rest in who we are. as beloved sons and daughters fully accepted by God because of what Christ has done on the cross. 
because of him coming and putting on this flesh suit. So, Father, we pray for your people, God. Would you strengthen? Would you encourage? Would you, God, bind them together in your love? God, your love for you and the love for one another, God, bind them together in this love. God, I pray for conversations that are going to happen around Christmas gatherings and Christmas parties and, and gatherings with friends, Lord. God, I just pray for those conversations. Father, would you give them boldness to let other people know or even other believers to remind them of what this season is about. I pray for boldness to share the good gospel of Jesus Christ as you open doors. I pray for wide doors this season. Help them not to miss it. Help me not to miss it. Call us to that, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, put your hands together. Come on, give Jesus praise. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah.